I don't. I never know what to believe with Reese McGuire. I don't know what's. <laughs> He's a really good five, uh, and that's the roll grade, not the starter position. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, before everyone starts panicking. Oof, what Wabby is way. that waskily we wabbing? Um, <laughs> and welcome to episode number 110 of Artificial Turf Wars, where you, yes, you, have been selected for a last-minute redesign of the All-Star Game jersey. I hope you've got your pen and ink. Uh, I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined on the program by the indomitable Joshua Housem. How are you doing, Josh? Good. I think I've been indomitable before. <laughs> Probably. I like my I adjectives. Don't know why. Um, <laughs> it's my go-to. Well, the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays, what do they like? They like beating up on bad teams. Um... It has been a pretty good week so far, uh, barring what was a horrible week, the previous podcast. So I'm in a better mood. I'm in a better mood to talk about Tyler Chatwood riding the ship, Reese McGuire, 300 hitter, question mark, question mark. Um, how did we get to this this winning streak that the Blue Jays are currently on? Uh, it was one particular play in a game where the Blue Jays were behind late on the road. Maybe we'll break that down. Uh, the same game where Alec Manoa uh, got himself a suspension. Good news, Stephen Matz could be coming back very soon for his COVID uh, IL uh, stint. Uh, George Springer already came back, and we're happy about that. Unfortunately, Nate Pearson is uh, having groin issues, as he has over and over again. The big news this podcast, though, is we have an interview with Jeff Paternostro uh, of Baseball Perspectives. He's going to tell us about all those other names who are hanging out with Nate Pearson in the minors. Uh, we have your questions as well. We have a do-over to the jerseys I've briefly alluded to, and a gold star to Jordan Romano, who did allowed a thing to happen behind him that has never happened this season so far. Josh, here we are at, at the moment where the Blue Jays are on a winning streak and we are recording a podcast, and they are ahead by a decent margin in the game that we are recording during. Yeah, it really <laughs> does help playing the Orioles and the Marlins, I gotta say. Yeah, it's it's amazing when you do not play one of baseball's like top seven or eight teams uh, between Tampa, Boston, and New York. How good the lineup and the pitching start to look. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean it's more the pitching than the lineup. And I mean, even against Baltimore, they didn't. I wouldn't say that they came out thumping, except for the last two innings of that one game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they won the games. I mean, the Marlins is two to one and, but they, they, they did the job and they, they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Which as we discussed prior is absolutely key as this, um, as this season ticks on by is, is if you have a rough go against the Orioles uh, for the, the one upper, you know, the one swing in the first half that you get against them, um, you pretty much shot yourself in the foot uh, as, as far as the, you just made it so much tougher on yourself. I'm not, again, season's not over. We're not even at the all-star break, but this is a very tough division and it, it, it's not getting any less tough. So congratulations to them doing the things that they, they need to do. Tyler Chatwood, I, I have him first, so we're going to talk about him first. Is back One second, to, you, you moved off that really fast. <laughs> but wins I was going to say that, yeah. 
Go ahead. It, it, it didn't start that way, right? Like they lost the first one seven to one. Yep. And then in the second game, they were losing going into the eighth. They were down what Four was rest. it? Six to six to three going into the eighth. Uh I think it was seven, seven to three. Seven, seven to seven three. three going into the eighth. And then they even and seven four going into the ninth. <laughs> and then they put up a six spot and then they just didn't look back after that. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to talk about that play earlier. I know, about that, but just which is more that it didn't. It started out a little scary, but thankfully they turned it around. Was all I just wanted to say. Yeah, um, and included in that mix, Tyler Chatwood is back to throwing strikes most of the time again. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Certain. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Chatwood, since that meltdown against Boston, where he walked one and hit two batters and didn't get an out. He has was, only walked. Sorry, go ahead. That was after the meltdown where he literally couldn't get anybody out. Is that this? Is that two separate meltdowns? I feel like no. That was that twice. was one where he got nobody out. That's that's the okay. one I'm talking about. All right. Well, one of two actually. Yeah, he did that against Houston as well, where he gave up. Yeah. He didn't walk anyone that one. He just gave up six straight hits. But uh, <laughs> since then, he's only walked one batter. But in that game against Baltimore, <laughs> he came in. The Jays were up seven to four in the last game of the series. And he walked the first batter on four pitches that were nowhere close. <laughs> and then there was still the, oh, God, here we go again. Then he had no problems with the next couple of hitters, and he got out of the inning no problem. But, I mean, it's nice. When he throws strikes, he is really, really good, and he's really tough to hit. <laughs> but there's still that twinge of fear there. <laughs> I don't think he's gotten rid of just yet. Especially when it's that first ridiculously far uh, out of the zone pitch is the first thing he throws. Like, like it's a completely foreign concept to be throwing off the mound. Um, I was astonished, though. The, he, they brought him in against the Marlins, and uh, I can't remember who was batting, but he took a cut at the first pitch and popped it up into, into the shallow outfield. I'm like, why would you swing at the first pitch with Tyler Chatwood? It really helps facing bad teams. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, did things you... like that happen. Is there not a book on that? Like, I mean, you know, I feel like you're right. The Yankees, would, whoever gets up there with the Yankees would have explicit instruction. Do not swing until you see a strike, right? And for some reason, the Marlins don't know that. Or um, if you do swing, it better be an absolute meatball, right? <laughs> you better crush it. Well, you, you have to be picking the fastball and middle-middle, and if it's not there, you're fine, right? Not like, oh, well, if I see something okay, I swing at it. you know, you got to have a very specific strategy, absolutely. Um, so, uh, now, Dolis is still unavailable. Apparently, he yep. can sort of feel things in his hand. <laughs> These are things you don't want to hear about a pitcher. Some of the feeling was coming back. So it is going to be more Chatwood and more Tim Meza and more Jordan Romano to finish games for the next little while. Yeah, that definitely looks like the three guys that they count on the most right now and they believe in the most. Try, uh, Thornton got a chance and to sort of grab one of those roles in that game against Baltimore that ended up 7-4 to four, and he gave up two home runs and made it 7-4 to four from 7-1 to one and I think that that just sort of knocked him down a peg. I, it really is. Mesa, who's been, Mesa has been quite good lately. Um, he's had his ups and downs this season, as he's somewhat wants to do. But when he's right, he's very tough to hit because his ball moves so much and he throws pretty hard. You know, and they, so in his last, I think it's his last 11 appearances, he's only given up one earned run 
over eight and two thirds, which is pretty good. Yeah. And, and I mean, I can totally understand why. I mean, there, there is no other lefty for Charlie to match up with, right? <laughs> the bullpen that, that's of that quality anyway. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, one earned run for a reliever doesn't mean a whole lot, right? But it's only six base runners too. So yeah, he's, yeah. he's earning his current role. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, he, he could have a bad outing here and there. We're not saying Tim Mesa is, you know, the second coming, but, um, have Ryan Barucki. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, it's just that he's one of the trusted guys right now. Yeah. Now Barucki is throwing off a mound and Merriweather is joining is I think supposed to throw off a mound <clears throat> today or tomorrow. We're recording this on Thursday. So there are reinforcements coming, probably not till early July, but, you know, when we're recording this on June 24th, early July is not that far away. No, 60 days flies by sometimes in baseball. <laughs> uh, sometimes better, sometimes for the for the worse. Uh, so the Blue Jays replaced our automatic out uh, uh, superstar. Is he an automatic out with a 300 hitter? I'm sure that's totally sustainable, right, Josh? <laughs> I don't I never know what to believe with Reese McGuire. I don't know what's <laughs> Because so here's the thing with Reese McGuire. When he was in the minors, <clears throat> he got rushed pretty horribly. Like because he was such a good defensive catcher that the Pirates really pulled him. Like, they promoted him every year, even though he didn't hit that well. And then when he repeated a year with the Blue Jays, he actually did pretty well at Double A. Because he's always young for his <laughs> levels. Mm-hmm. And he's and aside from last year's weirdo season, he's actually hit okay in the big leagues, and he has a nice swing. And his approach isn't bad, but he also never hit in the minors. <laughs> like, <laughs> so when he does stuff like this, you're like, well, maybe he could be okay. I still don't think he's a good hitting catcher. And just like I do think Danny Jensen is going to be a better hitting catcher, but I can't complain. He got three doubles in one game. Yeah. And I, I feel like every time I read a box score, I see that Danny Jensen, not Danny Jensen, I see Reese McGuire has you know, uh, a double and a single, or he has, uh, you know, a, a walk and, and, and whatever. But then when I, when I happen to be sitting down to watch him play, he hits this oddly spinning ball back to the pitcher and the pitcher tries to barehand it and misses it. And then he gets a single and I'm like, is that what he's doing? Is, is this observation bias on my part? <laughs> cause, cause that's not a great hitter, but again, three doubles is hard to argue with. Yeah. Doubles are, like you might get one like double where it's like against the shift and then it's what should be a ground ball out as a double, but three doubles in, in a game, you're not going to do that flukily. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I hope he, he keeps hitting 300. I'm, I'm all on board with that, but um, it is certainly, I don't think on our, our preseason prediction list was Reese McGuire 300 hitter for any period of time. No, uh, and here's the thing. Like, it doesn't have to do that. But as long, but the nice thing is that, like, as the fill-in catcher, he is producing. So, just as long as he can just tread water until the other guys come back, which Kirk, I think, is starting to swing again, then that's great. Like, that's that's gravy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, th- this is a long lineup and a an actual threat at the bottom of it. Um, you know, with that isn't the subbing occasionally at second or first. Joe Panic, which. Why Joe Panic is playing first tonight? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, is is awesome. Uh, okay, so the Blue Jays are on a winning streak, which I would say, if you are the superstitious type, and man, there are the folks on Twitter, they're out there. This is sports, hundred um, percent. Are very superstitious, and there there is a belief that you know once this team 
has a thing go its way, that's going to be the inception point for a long winning streak and a, a real surge in the standings. And a lot of people are making the argument that the second game in Baltimore is that inception point at the moment. Is that what it looks like? Because the Blue Jays uh, went down early, had their starter ejected, which we'll, we'll cover in some more detail once I get to the end of this game. And then after it was a nine or 10 pitch at bat, um, Bo Bichette hit a dying quail uh, out to right field, which nobody could, well, one guy got to put a glove on it and was unable to make the catch. And that was the first run scored in their comeback of that six run ninth inning on the road. That's like two inches away from the, and there was two out, I believe at that point, uh, that was two inches away from, sorry, there's another heartbreaking loss for you folks. Deal with it. Do you believe yeah, in inflection? Santander, point? yeah. Who almost caught it. Yeah. Do you believe that, that that's the kind of thing that gets a sports team going or is it just another game on the schedule? I don't think it is. I think that it can be a, a kind of, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I think that emotional momentum is a real thing, like an energy, like there is an energy aspect to baseball that helps drive people. I don't think it's nothing, but you know, they won the, they won the next game easily. And then they were like, they squeaked by barely against the Marlins. Like there was no coming out and dominating the kind of thing you would expect with the way that's going. I don't think that's a thing, but I think it's, Nice. I think it's more than just playing bad teams. <laughs> like, you know, like they're doing, they're supposed to against the, the Orioles and Marlins. And this is what we talked about, you know, that they just had to basically tread water in their schedule. Now they didn't tread water. They sunk a little bit, which hurt them, but you know, now they get a chance to really do some damage. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, it would be nice if, you know, team nap the one year was the real thing that sent them, you know, uh, bounding up in the standings because uh, they came out and beat up Max Scherzer after you know the middle the the in the second game of a doubleheader that was 2015 wasn't it? Yes, it was. Um, and 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 those are I think those are fun things to talk about and write about, but I don't. They're they're obviously no substitute for a healthy roster and a well constructed team. <laughs> um, I'm I'm certainly. It, it is certainly fun to watch the drama of of that being an inch away from losing the game and then suddenly being back in it um, and and then continuing to capitalize with, you know, a line drive double from, uh, was it Teoscar Hernandez, I think, um, to drive in those those go-ahead runs. This is pretty wild. Like, when I go, you know, my wife's out in the garden and I'm like, hey, you, you're not going to guess what the score is. That's yeah, so Vla fun to so do. Vla Vlad got the hit to drive in two runs. Right. Yeah, and then uh, and then then Teoscar hit another hit a double after that. But yeah, it was it, they took advantage. Like, that's the thing about good teams, right? Like if you're a good team, you take advantage of things like that. And that's you know we hear that constantly from Buck and Tabby. It's like oh the Yankees take advantage of these. Like no, they don't. I mean like when they're not good, they don't do it. It's just if you're good, that's how you you know, if you get extra outs, you make them hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Now, in that game, the reason the Jays were down so much is because Alec Manoa turned into a homer surrendering machine and then then hit uh oh man, his the name went Franco? Yeah, Michael Franco. Michael Franco with uh the next pitch after after a home run. Uh and 
he came off the mound towards home plate. And I'm I'm not saying I, I, I don't think the umpires necessarily should have ejected him, but the the mannerism and the 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 sort of the behavior there, even if depending on what he was saying, I don't think it looked good for Manoa at that point. What was your take on that? Well, here's the thing, right? Like if you just look at Manoa's track record, he hits a lot of batters. Right? Like it's not I don't know that he was throwing at him. I actually don't think he was. And And I think he got really pissed because he got tossed quickly and he was, no, no, no. Franco got pissed and Manoa was saying it was not on purpose. That's what happened. Right. And, and then he got tossed and like, look, I get, I understand ejecting him, even though I don't think it was on purpose, but suspending him was a little ridiculous. Yeah, I I, like, I sometimes I feel like MLB has a has an unwritten rule about when one thing happens then the other has to happen, <laughs> and I well, don't know. Yeah, it's unwritten, um, but yeah, I agree. I, I don't think he deserves a suspension for that because I, I don't think you have any real evidence that he was trying to hurt anybody, um, unless unless like again, they have the limited camera angles. We don't have you know people in the ballpark who can ask for a different feed or whatever. Um, I, I do question maybe something he said or the way he said it on the way in was submitted as evidence, um, despite whatever was said. Like, I, I don't know what Franco thought that Manoa said. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, but it was surprising though. Still, I mean, the, this, I mean, he's appealing, so I think it'll get knocked down. He probably won't even miss a turn in the rotation, but it was, it was surprising because like, it, it, all you have to do is look at. Manoa's minor league track record, which is again obviously not extensive, but he hit multiple batters or at least one batter every single time out there. So, yeah, unfortunate, but again, it sets up the drama of that comeback huge. <laughs> so maybe it's maybe it's best in the end, Josh. Yep. Maybe, maybe the real friends were the batters we hit on the way. Um, <laughs> okay, we're gonna do our injury slash. Uh, recovery update. So Stephen Matz was exposed to COVID, was asymptomatic. Apparently he has passed his time on the injured list and is now, uh, that's why Anthony Kay is starting tonight um, and striking lots of people out and wasting pitches like he's wont to do. Uh, apparently he's coming, he's going to come back. I presume otherwise Matz is healthy. Yeah. And, and that <laughs> the starting rotation, like who knew? not me <laughs> um so i mean i guess we can just talk about this now sure um so matt's is coming back he's been fine he's not been great but he's been fine ross stripling and i i'm ready to say i believe like i i believe in ross stripling as a useful like a guy that i don't think is going to hurt you i think he can help i think like i'm not upset when he starts i'm not like oh god get him out of there if he gives you five yeah. good innings you know, I'm, let, I'm willing to let him go into the sixth or the seventh. I mean, maybe not the seventh, depending on who's coming up, but I don't feel that way about most pitchers. Only Ryu gets that from me. Um, and Ray, I believe, like, this is real. And and there was an interesting thing with Ray, and the reason that Matt's is not pitching, um, and the reason that Kay's pitching today, the Jays with an off day could have shuffled their rotation. Sorry, not Matt's, but the reason that Kay is pitching, they could have shuffled their rotation and just skipped the fifth starter but Ray really wanted to stay on routine 
because he feels that that's what's driving some of his success. And you can't argue with it. I'm, he's throwing as hard as ever, harder than ever, actually. His slider command has been the best of his career. Everything is down and to the arm side. Like he's not leaving them out over the plate to give up home runs with nearly the familiarity or regularity rather that he was in the past. Now, he's the, not walking. Uh, the, the irony of you saying that is he still leads the American League in home runs allowed. That's on his fastball mostly. <laughs> yeah. Still. Um, no, he's a home, he's a homer pitcher. Like he, yeah. But but the difference is they're all solo homers now. Yeah. And, no ba- no base runners. No no walks. But, like here's Robbie Way's Robbie Way. What is that Wascoe Wabbit? Here's his walks per nine in his career. 3.5, See, I didn't even think he needed to be this. I thought if we got the Robbie Ray who was in the threes, like he had been in previous parts of his career, he was going to be a great pitcher. And he's even better than that. His ERA is sitting below 3.5. So it is borne out by, this is all he really needs to continue to do to be great. And um, when you say ERA with Robbie Ray, he's only given up one unearned run. It's not like some guys is like, oh, his ERA is three and a half, but he's got 10 unearned runs because some guy made an error with two outs and then he fell apart, right? right. So yeah, he's been fantastic. And I believe, like, I'm happy when he takes them out. I'm happy when Stripling takes them out. And Ryu was great in his last time out. So I never had any words about Ryu to begin with. So, yeah, it's really nice. Indeed. Uh, all right. Springer has come back. He is 100% totally healthy. Can't play three games in a row, but 100% <laughs> totally healthy. Uh, he hasn't really done anything yet, which I'm okay with that. I think I know he had his, his rehab stint. He didn't seem to really get his timing down in his rehab stint. Um, I think just the threat of George Springer in the lineup batting fifth because the top of this lineup is firing on all cylinders um, is just fine for right now. Yeah, uh, him just being healthy is what matters, right? It, it, yeah, he's not playing the third game in a row, but it's not that he can. They just want to not <laughs> – they don't want to risk anything. He's he's actually available to pinch hit today, unlike <laughs> the previous times. And it's just... <laughs> uh, it's, it seems legit to us this time. Don't ask why. <laughs> it's because he's been in the outfield every game. Uh, yeah, and then Nate Pearson uh, is – back on the minor league injured list because his groin which he already was twice injured in spring um is not behaving again and he has to take some time off so nate pearson i predict that we will see him in the bullpen if we see him again this year he's getting a fourth opinion on it like, i'm really con- concerned about what this could mean um yeah it's too bad he he changed his delivery because of the groin issues. It's like, well, <laughs> it didn't work, buddy. Just go back to the stuff that let you throw gas. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's other issues that maybe he was trying to alleviate, uh, not just groin problems, but um, other wear and tear, potentially. So I, I don't know. But it's uh, sad. He, he, he finally put together back-to-back good outings in AAA. And, you know, six innings. And he looked ready. Maybe not ready, but like he looked like he was pitching the way that he was expected to pitch. And they went down again, and you know it's it sucks for him, it sucks for the team, and you, know, you just hope that he can get healthy and eventually contribute. And, and I do agree that uh, at this point, for this season, and I'm not ready to call Nate Pearson a reliever. I don't think anybody's ready to say that officially yet. But for this season, it might make sense just to stick him in that bullpen and let him pitch two, three innings, 
backing Mon, uh, Manoa or something like that, or you know, coming in to relieve Stripling for two innings and throw a hundred, like he did against the Rays in the postseason. Yep, it it might be just the most effective use of him if he's healthy. So, totally agree with you. All right, we are going to segue on over to uh, Jeff Paternostro who is uh, our eyes in the minor leagues this time around. Uh, we've had him on the show before. We're, we're happy to have him back. He's going to talk about a bunch of names and faces that, that he has uh, got info on in the uh, minor league system. So we'll be back with him right after this. Welcome back to the program. I always want to call the show. We don't actually show you anything, but we do program a lot. Uh, Jeff Paternostro from Baseball Prospectus. Welcome back to Artificial Turf Wars. Thanks for having me again. Uh, always a pleasure to have you around. Uh, your eyeballs are those that look directly at the prospects in uh, various systems around baseball. But in this case, we are interested in the homegrown talent, as it were, for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, is there anyone uh, th this season that you have... Uh, have been in the can't even spit things out anyone this season that you've been uh, particularly interested in taking a look at just to in your your own experience so i would say the most interesting not necessarily the best prospect the most interesting prospect to me in this system right now is gabriel moreno just because we have a sort of a running joke within the prospect team that as far as catching prospects go there can be only one like any given time, <laughs> there can only be one real catching prospect. And right now it's uh, at the Rushman. And then so everybody else is sort of, you know, Francisco Alvarez in the Met system has taken a big step forward this year. And then you've got guys that have been around for a bit, like uh, Kuypert Ruiz for the Dodgers, Luis Campusano for the Padres, uh, Shea Langoliers for the Braves. Um, you know, guys that are, you know, we're doing our midseason 50 prep right now. They're in the conversation. are probably not going to make it. I think Moreno's on that level now. He always felt like a guy that was on the verge of breaking out. And then obviously the 2020 baseball season did not happen. And they moved him directly to double A, which, you know, technically would be skipping advanced day. So he's a fairly young, you know, he just turned 21 before the season catching prospect in double A and he's kept hitting and you watch him and it's not super loud. Like it's above average bat speed. It's good bat to ball, but he just hits everything. He's just barreling everything right now. And you combine that with, you know, the fact that he can play catcher. He's still a work in progress there. I know they've tried him out at some other positions too, just because the bat might be so advanced that you might want to speed up his general path to the majors instead of waiting for him to, develop as a catcher and he's not a huge guy either it's kind of a, a small frame for a catching for an everyday catcher like 110 game a year catcher so he might be more of a i don't say like a wilson Contreras type i think wilson Contreras probably catches more than that but a guy that you do try to get 30 or 40 starts elsewhere just because a you want the bat in the lineup and b to help the the body hold up behind the plate when he is back there so he's a guy that I think maybe is, I don't know if he's taken the biggest jump in the system. He's probably taken the biggest jump in the system, but he's a guy that I do want to see how it sort of plays out, especially going forward over the, over the course of a full season in double A, assuming he's not promoted at some point because of the way he's hitting, he might be. 
It's funny you talked about the only one, Cone B1, the Highlander of catching prospects. Mm -hmm. We also have a thing here where it's like the Blue Jays catcher <laughs> of the future. It's been labeled as it's been thrown yes, around yes, for yes. about 15 years and none of them have been any good. Going back to like JP Aaron Sebia at this point. <laughs> yep. Kevin Cash, Josh Phelps. You can keep going. Really but, uh, like Aaron Sebia is like retired and doing Marlins broadcast now, I think. That's how long this has been going on. Yeah, and dating right wing crazy people. But yes. um <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. You can, though. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, I guess the, the, just a quick follow with Moreno is that, you know, is it the kind of thing where you could see him pushing his timeline a bit in the sense of, like, I'm maybe not making the big leagues this year, but being the kind of guy that the team might be looking to move out some of their other depth catchers and maybe clear his path for him in, in, in a sense? Well, the, the Blue Jays major league team, we can talk about this uh, relative to – Austin Martin and, and Jordan Groshans, too, in a way, they really value positional flexibility and being able to sort of move guys around the, I guess you'd call them like like the pillars of the team, which is probably like Bobachet at shortstop and, uh, you know, Tay Oscar in one of the outfield spots. And I, I guess Semyon's kind of that guy now, too, but he's on a one-year deal. But the idea that you could make Moreno your third catcher behind a, you know, <laughs> Reese McGuire, Danny Jansen, whoever else they come up with in the next couple of years <laughs> and, you know, play a little, maybe third base, maybe some corner outfield one to two days a week and just sort of move, you know, rotate those guys around and give the DH spot to, to deal with as well. And you I think you're going to see that with Martin too, and his, his positional flexibility and, and Groshans, I think you're going to, in that sort of like Cabin Vigio, Lourdes Gurriel mode, where you have sort of like positionless baseball in sort of the the Netherlands football sense, where you just can stick guys wherever on a on a given day when you want to get their bat in the lineup. So I think that's something you're seeing in more than just Moreno, but I think because Moreno can catch, like the fact that Austin Martin is like an infield prospect, he also plays some center as well. But the fact that he can play three infield spots is not sort of as unusual as Moreno being able to catch and do other things as well. But I think that is a thing that can either accelerate his timeline or yeah, maybe you look, I know pick between Reese McGuire and Danny Jansen, God bless. And then <laughs> make him the backup catcher where he's catching two days a week. And then you find two other days for him to play the field a day at DH and you've got yourself a 500 at bat above average major league hitter. Sounds like something that would be nice to have. <laughs> um, and you mentioned, obviously, you quickly allude to Martin and Groshans. How hard is it to evaluate guys like that when, well, especially Groshans hasn't really played in two years, and Martin, we've only, the people have only seen him now for a month and a half because of the lost 2020 season. Yeah, no, it's tough. And those were both very aggressive assignments for both of them. You know, Martin was a very polished college bat. Like, it's not, if he had had a normal full season at Vanderbilt in 2020, the fact that he would have started in double A in 2020, we would have a better idea. He might have played in full season A ball in August of last year. And this would just seem like a normal, uh, a very normal sort of prospect development timetable for him. It would have been, it would have been made obvious. And he did struggle his first month or so in double A. And the reports I've gotten on him, I've watched some video as well. Like it's not so it's like from like a scouting perspective, it's not loud. Like it's just never gonna be loud in a way that like even like Jordan Groshans has got a little bit more of that. Like it's not super twitchy. He's probably not really a shortstop, but you can play him at shortstop. 
he's but he has positional flexibility. He's going to get it done. He's going to be an average defender pretty much wherever you stick him. It's not incredibly loud power. It's like a good approach. And again, he's a guy where it's a weird swing too. He does like this is a personal pet peeve of mine, and I have to acknowledge that guys make this work. But he starts with the bat pointed towards the pitcher and then sort of sets himself and loads. And like you have to have really good wrists to do that, but he has really good wrists. So he's still able to to barrel balls and really shoot the gaps and you know be a uh, demonstrate a plus hit tool with a good approach. I don't think there's going to be a ton of power there, but enough power. Like it's like going to be a 800 OPS uh, OPS type with a high on base percentage carrying that and a guy that can play five positions. And the thing you're getting that is sort of the surety of a above average regular at a lot of spots. You're maybe not getting, you know, super loud tools. You're not getting maybe a ton of upside. You know, some guys, these, sometimes these guys hit like 310 with 15 home runs and do that and make all-star games. And, and Martin certainly has that potential, but you're really betting on the realistic floor here. Oh, he'd certainly still take that. Obviously, as you know, as a draft pick prospect, a a guy who can be a regular and produce at a high on base percentage in a lot of spots would be useful. He feels like a classic number two hitter, not in sort of the sense that you should bat your best hitter second now, which I think is the current sabermetric lineup orthodoxy, but sort of that like classic 1980s table setter, good on base guy, can hit some doubles, that kind of thing. So Sounds we've good. talked. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's good. We've talked a fair amount now about about the the fielders and positional flexibility. We haven't really talked about pitching. So um, the Jays' first two, you know, uh, on on the official lists are Nate Pearson, who is uh, hurt a lot and and AAA, and Alec Manoa, who has graduated, which gets us down to perhaps Simeon Woods Richardson, um, who was a part of that Marcus Stroman trade with Anthony Kay. What have you seen out of him? So, I mean, I saw him a fair bit as a Mets prospect, and now he's a Blue Jays prospect, and he's in double A. And it's very much kind of like a what you see is what you get. Like, he hasn't—I think there was sort of a outsized expectation on him. And this goes back to sort of his early days in the Mets system. Because he was a pop-up velocity guy his senior year of high school, I think somebody said he was, like, sitting 98 in the GCL at one point, which he might have been. It's it's certainly possible for an inning or two here and there. And the eye-popping numbers he's put up at really every level he's played at, you expect it to be incredibly loud stuff. And it just isn't. And I, I'm not, I, I like him as a prospect, but it's not eye-popping velocity. He sits like 90 to 93 and runs it up to 95 for the most part. But because of his delivery and because of his over-the-top slot, when it's 93, 94, 95, and it almost feels like it's coming uphill at you as a hitter, and the fastball becomes very difficult to deal with at that point, especially when you pair it with his breaking ball, which has a huge velocity separation. It's it's in the upper 70s for the most part. So we're talking close to, you know, in the in the vein of 15 miles an hour. And it comes out of the hand like the fastball and then it has that because of the over top over the top slot, that big 12 to six drop. It's like it really can catch guys in between. And honestly, that's all he needs to be an, an effective major league pitcher. Like the changeup's okay. I think it's actually has some major league utility at present. I know he's throwing a slider now. It's not great from what I've seen on video. Um, 
that's the thing that, you know, just a, as a different breaking ball, look, it's fine. I don't think it's something he needs to really lean on. Uh, he's got three pretty good pitches. I do wonder with the curve because it's not like a true big power breaker. And because of sort of the uphill delivery and high slot, it can get a little humpy out of the hand. So when he's not really on top of it and, and diving it out of the zone, I think major league hitters will be able to square it a little more than you'd like. And he really kind of works north south really well, better than east west from a command standpoint. So I think guys might start to get a read on it. And that kind of like, I don't, I like him a lot. He's a top one-on-one guy for us, probably on a mid-season 50 guy. And I think he's a very good bet to be a good major league starter. Like he's a really good five. Uh, and that's the role grade, not the starter position. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, for for everyone starts panicking. But like, I think it's. <laughs> no, I, I was actually just thinking about all of the scout scouting lingo yeah. that you you yeah. uh, have crammed in there and i'm glad you made a designation there <laughs> yes like he's, he's gonna be a a good pitcher I, I the other the other thing with him is it's a good frame it's an athletic delivery but like every pitching prospect he's going five innings and 80 pitches for the most part every start and he's had like efficiency issues too like it's kind of an up-tempo delivery so the command and the control can waver He's gotten that mostly out of con- under control, but you know walks are still going to be there. The ability to go through a lineup multiple times is, is still an open question until he gets to the majors. And you've seen some of that with Manoa in the majors as well, where like as good as your stuff is, like it's it's just major league hitters and like both teams tried hard, my man, kind of thing. Like they're trying to hit you too. And I don't know if he really has either the level of command to move his stuff around well enough to sort of break past that useful major league starter role or the the depth of stuff to show you a lineup different looks you know first time second time third time through consistently now i might be wrong i've been wrong about this uh this type of profile before i am trying to get out of my bad habits about fastball evaluation and just looking at the radar gun because for you know a fastball that really sits in the average velocity band nowadays for a right-handed pitching prospect. It's a really good fastball. Like guys take bad swings at it in double A. And that's something that I think can probably continue further up the ladder. I'm just sort of, if he's one of those guys where he's going to look like, my concern is he's going to look like a great pitching pitching prospect. He's going to look like a better pitching prospect than a major leaguer right up until he hits the major leagues. So it does kind of become like a prove it at every level guy because it's not overtly obvious stuff in the same way like Nate Pearson has. But Nate Pearson also can't stay on the field right now. And Richardson, is, as far as pitching prospects go, has been used about as – has shown as much durability as any 21-year-old in AA as a pitching prospect is going to show you. So you, you alluded there to um, Woods Richardson being what you see is what you get and, and having sort of a long, um, long reputation, uh, you know, built up. Are there guys uh, in the Blue Jay system that you have seen the opposite from where they've, they've kind of maybe surprised you or come out of a direction uh, up onto the radar uh, recently? So, I mean, the big one right now is Samad Taylor. Uh, if you just casually look at box scores <laughs> on any given night for the uh, New Hampshire Fisher Cats, you'll notice that uh, Samad Taylor, who was that kind of like, 
you know, prep shortstop that's not really a shortstop, good good glove, not much offensive to like twitchy. He's always twitchy. He's always been toolsy. He's got good speed. He was young for his draft class. Uh, and now he's slugging 600. And like, look, <laughs> whatever it is, Northeast Digital Dental Stadium, which I love going to, uh, is that, a that nice, might be nice the, hitters. It's, that might be the best nice worst park. statement I've ever, uh, stadium name yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah, I forget what exactly it is. Something like that. <laughs> um, I, he's, <laughs> he hit seven home runs in 108 games in Dunedin. Which, as as Blue Jays fans are probably well aware, not a hard place to hit home runs. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, and he has 12 this year in 41 games in New Hampshire. And if you watch him, it's it is it's a super remade launch angle swing. And I get why they did it because he has a sort of he's the type of player you'd want to do that with. It's big bat speed, like it's it's great bat speed. He's twitchy has some knowledge of the strike zone. You know, my concern there is just that those kind of swings, you really have to have sort of an innate advanced hit tool to make them work. And he's never really had that as a prospect. Like going back to that Dunedin season, when he hit seven home runs, he struck out 107 times in 384 plate appearances. Now he's basically maintained that strikeout rate in New Hampshire, jumping to double A, while actually hitting for power. That's all good. I just wonder with a you know, with a with that kind of bat speed in a barrel that does not stay in the strike zone that long, because it's very much just like whip it through and try to lift it. If as maybe not as the double A season goes on, but as he gets into higher levels, better pitchers are gonna be able to work him north south. And if he doesn't really maintain control over the strike zone. I think the, the strikeouts are just going to eat into the offensive profile to the point that you're not going to get the get the fruits of the the power gains he's gotten. Sounds like the Kevin Vigio swing. Yeah, I mean, it's not, that's actually not a bad uh, comp. He's a probably a better defender than Vigio is, especially in the infield. Like, it's, he's a really good defender. He's got a little more a little more twitch and a little more straight line speed. So there's he's going to find more ways to help you than like you can. It, you can find a scenario where he hits 190 or whatever and like isn't a complete zero for you, which is I know Abishio is batting average a little bit higher now, but I feel like it was at a, a month ago or so where it's a little <laughs> bit tougher to really, you know, justify playing him every day. God, 233-44-388 is an above average offensive line this year. God bless 2021 Major League yeah. Baseball. She's yeah, a strange a, animal. <laughs> while playing your home games in Dunedin and Buffalo. Yeah, two very much clear pitchers parks. Um, so I guess another guy that's kind of just like shown up doing something that in this case, his case has done it before and now has people clamoring for him to come to the top level is Kevin Smith. What do we make of that? Yeah, so uh, I had a conversation with the scout saw him recently and he's gone undergone i don't want to say undergone but he's like been three different prospects the last three years at this point he's another guy where i had a he had a bad swing change you know if you want to sort of see what can go wrong with the with the smod taylor model like kevin smith tried to 
hit more home runs in 2019. And, well, I mean, he actually didn't even hit more home runs. He just struck out it, a billion it, times. Right. The, the swing kind of fell apart against better pitching. He's, he's again, doing it in AAA this year. And the the strikeout rate is manageable, again, for 2021 baseball. I'm very... So the... <laughs> He seems to me, and I had a conversation with a scout about this, like as a useful dude with a little pop at the bottom of a lineup that can play a bunch of infield spots. That was sort of the the tenor of our conversation, where it's going to be like maybe something like 2021 Kevin Biggio, actually. It's just tough to see this kind of profile sustaining itself against major league pitching. And I've seen this certainly in the double a games that I've seen. And from having conversations with scouts and the, the BP prospect team more widely is that, you know, whatever level you're talking about in this case, it's triple a like triple a this year is not triple a in a, in a normal year. Like the level of play is just a little bit lower pretty much everywhere. And you're dealing with a, a a population of baseball players that, for the most part, didn't do anything in 2020. Like Kevin Smith was the alternate site, so Kevin Smith actually, in some ways, might have an advantage over a lot of the other hitters in the league or even the pitchers he's facing, where he has more recent and consistent baseball reps. So then you have to you have to dig down a little bit and look. It's good. Um, the reports we got from the alternate site were that he'd kind of figured out whatever was was going wrong with the 2019 swing change um so he might be a guy that can be a be a, a real major league factor for the blue jays this year i don't feel like they need another infielder that hits for power i feel like they need a bullpen but that's <laughs> uh that's a separate issue i suppose i think it's been to say to sort of wrap it up, i think it's been generally a positive season for kevin smith i don't think he's back to sort of the the 2018 level prospect because we've sort of seen the warts here and limitations, but I mean, he's a real prospect. He's a, he's a guy that could have a, a significant major league career. So that's, I guess the definition of a real prospect. Indeed. So uh, we've hit a bunch of touch points uh, and, and thank you for all those perspectives. So there's a, um, if we've missed someone that you wanted to talk about or you wanted to mention, now's your chance. I mean, we have if, a recent CJ Van Dyke report if you really want it. Like again, he's not like an exciting guy. So, <laughs> or failing that, I would ask <laughs> if if the Blue Jays had had one more injury uh, and of, hmm. of of a convenient nature, and it opened up a spot for them to call someone up who would be you know help right now. Is there a help right now guy in the system? I mean, Kevin Smith is the the obvious one just because he's in AAA. He, uh, again, uh, as a function of 2021 baseball, if you're not in AAA, you can't get immediately called up. Uh, but like, so what more generally for the profile um, or for the... I do think that Woods Richardson is probably closer than you might think just because, again, I don't know... Well, he can certainly refine things. I think the general fastball curveball combination could be something that gets 
you know, hit major league hitters out right now in kind of like a, a, a bulk inning role, if not a traditional starter role. And for everything else that's going on with Toronto, like their traditional starters have been all right. They just don't really have that, uh, that bridge guy right now. Now the question becomes, do you want to, I don't want to say short circuit, but do you want to delay whatever further maturation was Richardson needs to, as a starter, you know, getting stretched out and kind of marshal his stuff over the course of, you know, as full a season as you get in the, in the minors of the pitcher, 120, 130 innings to help the major league ball club right now. Um, you know, you could argue that the Jays are at a weird inflection point right now with the division the way it is and the current shape of the major league roster the way it is, where that's something you can consider looking at. Um, you know, the other, I mean, the other argument we try to jump Moreno to the majors. You know, Jansen's obviously hurt right now, and Reese McGuire's hitting 300. I'm sure that'll keep happening. Uh, but uh, but again that's a guy where especially with a catcher like asking him to take on major league catching responsibilities right now i think would be the the bigger issue i think the bat would to an extent sustain the jump a little bit better but probably not to the point where again it's worth curtailing whatever developmental gains he'll get over the course of the of the 2020 season or 2021 season what year is it i'm sure here it is (laughs) It's it's every year. <laughs> They're all blending into one. <laughs> yeah. So while while it's a good system, and I think actually on balance it's improved over last year, as much as we can say anything about what the state of the system was after 2020. I don't know if there's an obvious uh, an obvious like savior here i'm now looking at the buffalo roster and it is a it is a wonderful triple a roster christian cologne dilson herrera (laughs) of of all the minor league baseball teams it is one Mm. of them it's just carl Uh, edwards jr is there wow well he's been in the 60 day il yeah yeah oh is he yeah he's he's gone back to making fast food lawrence wow let's remember some guys (laughs) i think i like patrick murphy once upon a time He's in we the still bigs. do. Yeah. 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 Mm. Still, still throws high 90s. Yeah. I, that's a, every Blue Jays bullpen I saw in New Hampshire from like 2015 to 2019 through high 90s. Tim Meza. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, that, that none, they, of, none, they, of them, they, none of them could throw strikes, but they could all fire. <laughs> look, we, we came out of an era when they threw, uh, you know, low 90s and couldn't throw strikes. So this yeah. is a step up. Thank, thank you I, for, for. Oh, go ahead. I just say I did think Tim Mesa would be better than he actually has been in the majors, but he's he's had his moments. It's not like he yeah, hasn't I mean, had his moments. You see a lefty that throws like ninety eight, and it's like, ooh, this guy is gonna continue to get chances until he can no longer do this. <laughs> well, it's his role with the Blue Jays, yeah, yeah. to take chances. Uh, thank yeah. you very much for your perspective and your eyeballs on such things uh, and your connections uh, and all mm. your wonderful scout lingo. Which maybe we should just have you on one time to go over all the terminology. Uh, I'm always happy to do that. I can fall into it too and just assume that. I, I don't think anything the... you said was beyond our <laughs> no, listeners' I'm sure. capabilities. I, I, I'm not I, concerned like, I that try it is. to like say like I don't know if Simeon Woods Richardson is going to throw 170 innings at a 3.8 ERA. Like that's <laughs> basically what I'm saying, but yeah. You know. 
<laughs> strike out more than a batter per inning, but be a little bit home run prone. Like again, it's all like sort of baked into it. But that that would be yeah. a incredible scouting report to read. They just tied everything to a specific predicted number in the first year in the yeah. majors. And then when you were wrong on everything, people would be like, why are you, well, why that's can't why you I always, <laughs> That's why I always say it's a long-term value list, is the other thing. There well, like, it's to, to bring it back to Vlad, I'm sure I've come on this podcast before and waxed poetic about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yep. You did. Yep. The idea, like, the idea that he was just, like, a bust at 21 <laughs> years of age in one of the weirdest baseball seasons in history one of the weirdest years in history, really, um, when you could still like you could. There, he never looked lost. He was an above average hitter both years. <laughs> and th- just the idea that it was like, oh, well, you know, those prospect guys, I don't know what they're looking at. Like, no, no, <laughs> go back and watch the 2019 home run derby. This was always in there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, if you folks would like more of uh, Jeff's insights uh, in the written form, you can always uh, check him out at baseballperspectives.com. Uh, or uh, I believe you're, you have a Twitter handle. I'm following you. And now I don't know it if is, it has an underscore. It's at or not. Jeff Paternostro, where I mostly spent my recent time yelling about the way minor leaguers are treated. Because it's not great. Uh, we have it's had a podcast specifically about how not great that is uh, more than once. Uh, we haven't changed it yet, but we're working on it. <laughs> All right. Thanks once again, Jeff. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. And we are back. And thanks once again to Jeff for coming on and spending uh, all of that time going. I, I, I really like... Jeff, because he um, he really seems to think about the answers. He's not just quoting a bunch of... Uh, he's not, like, just reading off a bunch of scouting reports. Yeah, I mean, so he, Jeff, Jeff mentioned to us, like, it's been a little tougher this year because the schedule hasn't brought New Hampshire, which has all the Jays' prospects <laughs> as close to him. But he spoke... He's watched the video. He's spoken to scouts who have seen him. He's not just saying this, like, looking at the stat line and reading it off. Like, he knows stuff about those swings. And like you said, he thinks about it. And he gives you a good answer. And that's why we bring him on, because he really knows what he's doing. Absolutely. Now, uh, just before we go to your questions, hashtag nine runs. Yes, the Blue Jays have scored nine runs. And they've scored it in three innings. (laughs) Not even three innings. (laughs) Holy Hannah. Uh, Did you see my other? I also tweeted that uh, Kramer, before he got pulled, was on on pace for a 1,053 pitch complete game. That would have been impressive. <laughs> would have been epic. All right. <laughs> Your questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? He was also on pace to give up 162 runs, so... Mm. <laughs> Less epic, potentially. Our first question comes from uh, Tom. That's T-H-O-M at Northern Laffer. Uh, missing an sure, either. So, oh, yeah, Laffer. This la- the first time you read these, said Laffer. But yes, go ahead. Uh, please provide a detailed analysis for the 120 possible 1-5 to five batting order combinations, including Springer, Bichette, Semyon Guerrero, and Hernandez. I haven't heard enough on the radio. 
<laughs> I think there's some sarcasm in this, in this question. <laughs> Uh, I detect a note of said sarcasm as well. Um, yeah, I think I think lineup construction is the lowest hanging fruit of the sports radio business. Is it not during the well baseball hanging fruit anyway? Uh, yeah, it is. Um, look, I mean, I have my uh, my optimal version of it, but the question really, you know, is answered in the question. It's. It doesn't matter. Like if you've got those five guys hitting one to five, you're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I would take any team with those five guys uh, in the first five slots. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, I would I would like to uh, just to satisfy you. I would like to say Springer, Guerrero, Semyon, Hernandez, Bichette for no good reason. There you go. Springer, Guerrero, Semyon, Hernandez, Bichette. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, I think mine would be Springer, Guerrero, Bichette, Semi, and Hernandez. But, like, <laughs> you can do so many different things and it tomato, would still be great. Tomato. Uh, yeah. Kevin at Kevin Chase 4 asked, which Jays pitcher will be most affected by the new Sticky Substances procedures? Um, I would say, just before you get in with your real answer, uh, anyone who has, like, a particularly complicated belt buckle, apparently, would be affected by the embarrassment of trying to take it off at the side of the field uh you <laughs> oh man that was so ridiculous um <laughs> the answer actually is romano statistically so far oh his spin rate on his slider is way down and he's not getting swings and misses on it hmm. thankfully he still throws gas so it's that hasn't hurt him but uh it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to that because obviously his slider is a big pitch yeah, that's that's interesting to note. Uh, Matt Thomas at Thomas Matt C. Which notable prospects would you be willing to part with coming up on the trade deadline next month? Enjoyed the last few episodes, by the way. Keep it up. Well, we we plan on keeping it up. Uh, did we interview Kevin Smith after his 2018 season? I don't think we did interview Kevin Smith. We've interviewed a couple people, but Kevin, it was not on our list. Uh, so yes, notable prospects that you would be willing to wave goodbye with, Josh. Oh boy. Um, I guess it depends on who you're getting, right? Um, off. I, I, I would trade. Like, it's like, are we getting Max Scherzer we're talking about or? Max Scherzer's only and, two months? Yeah, I, I yeah, would say and, you're, you're and getting. By the way, a... we did have Kevin Smith on our show. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Good memory there, buddy. I, 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 yeah, sorry. It's only 300 something episodes. I may have, <laughs> I may have blocked some things out. Um, you know, based on that that call with with Jeff Paternostro, right? Like, if someone calls about Samad Taylor or Kevin Smith and thinks he's real, I'm trading them, right? Um, yeah. But if you're talking about the more notable guys, like I would listen on Simeon Wood Richardson or Jordan Groshans, um, the guys that probably just like you have to blow me away are Austin Martin, Nate Pearson, Alec Manoa, those guys. But uh, and Gabriel Moreno, I think right now you'd have to be like a real superstar, but I mean, if you're getting the team needs top level talent and I, you have to be willing to give away that to get it. Yeah. It's just, I think that the tough part is you're only getting maybe that top level talent for two months. And if that's the case, it's, it's really tough to give up one of those top guys, but yeah, I, the, the, the principle is sound. Give, give up something to get something real to get you over the hump. 
Uh, we are headed towards Do Overland. Um, I think. What did you say? Yeah. Oh, oh my God! Did he really just say that? But we can try again, right? You talking about a Do Overland? Are you talking about a Do Overland? Let's do this. <laughs> Uh, this Brock is, Lesnar for this one. <laughs> this is so egregious that it it deserves this. It is the selection of a completely new and I would say terminally useless uh, jersey for the Major League Baseball All Star Game. So it's not. I'm still confused, Josh. Why they're even doing this? They have American and National League jerseys for the Home Run Derby. And that's cool with me, if you want to do that for the Home Run Derby. Most sports have like a, a conference or a division or whatever it is, jersey, so you could tell the two all-star teams apart. But because baseball does not require you to mix the offensive and defensive team, they just wear their home or away jersey. Ever since I can remember. Have you ever seen an all-star game where it wasn't just a home or away jersey? No, that's what it always has been. Right. Because it's not necessary to keep it straight in baseball. But this year, we get we get the worst kind of abomination because they're just trying to sell more jerseys. We get jerseys that have the team on them that don't look at all like the team jerseys. What what, oh, what is? I mean, they're they're really bad. <laughs> uh, I think it was uh, Andy Rallycap at underscore Rallycap who made the joke. It's like. The person who's designed them, wake up, uh, stretch, check the alarm. Oh, crap. I was supposed to design these, turn these designs in 30 minutes ago. Uh, what can I just scribble up on a page? Uh, it's got the logo over the first three letters of the team name on the, the breast, like the left left side. It's Coffee got stained the, cuffs. Yeah, it has the wrong colors um, for the, like it's muted colors or changed colors on the Blue Jays logo. There's no red on the... Um, on the, the maple leaf. Uh, There's an American flag on the shoulder. Yeah, it seems perfectly logical to me because it's, you know, the American flag league. Like, what flag do you put on the National League? Oh, or is it just on every one? Is it just all American flags? Do we play an American? Like... That's just the Jays jersey. I'm sure there's there's more that are... Oh, yeah, the, the, the New York Yankees one. Like, they have NYY in regular script, I'm pretty sure. Underneath the NYY... <laughs> Okay. Well, the Jays one looks like it says T U R. It's the logo's blocking the top of the the O. Uh, yeah. Like, is there anybody who who is not just a completionist Jersey person who's sitting there right now going, "Wow, I gotta have that." Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> I, I I can't imagine who would want who would want to buy these. I, I, they're so ugly, but that's what it is. It's a cash grab, and it <clears throat> look. Um, there are people who don't care about this. They don't care about what the all stars look like, and I do. I mean, I don't look. I uh, I don't care a lot. Like if they want to change it, they can change it. But I do. There's a nostalgic aspect to me. Like when I was young, seeing the Blue Jays jersey on the national stage when you didn't see it that often. You know, on a national broadcast. And, like, you watch the All-Star game for your team to be represented. I'm not a fan of the American League. I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. And and the way it was, 
was fine. I mean, if, if you want an all-star jersey, they've done it before. They put all-star logos on the sleeves. They've, um, you know, they've uh, certified them. They've done this. They've done that. And they've still maintained what was always there. So it's a simple do-over. Just, just go back to what you had. Be happy with selling your American and National League jerseys for the home run derby that are, you know, all-star game specific. And, and leave us alone, please. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna yeah. ask. Oh, now, now we're gonna we're gonna end on a good note. We're gonna give a gold star out like so. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've learned it. Change is hard, and we are going to give credit for good change where change is due, Josh. So take it away. Yeah. So last week, I think I repeated that Jordan Romano. His fatal flaw is that he is an automatic steal because he's got that rocking high leg kick and it was just killing him in situations where you can't afford to have guys taking extra bases. So he comes into that game against the Marlins. They're winning two to one. Starling Marte, who runs, gets on first base and you're just thinking, oh no. Like <laughs> this is like Jordan Romano busts out a slide step and Reese McGuire throws him out stealing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You just need to do that sometimes and it will deter people from taking off right away. If they think there's a chance that they will get thrown out, you can occasionally do your big leg kick because they won't be ready for you to do it. Yeah. Just, just take away the automatic stolen base and we can live with the, the average or above average number of stolen bases. You just, just need to take away the automatic part and you can come collect a gold star. Yeah, fantastic. So we we've we've done an interview, we've done a, a recap, we've done the questions, we've done the do over, we've done the go. It's a busy week, Josh. But I bet you maybe have something tucked away in your drawer full of final thoughts. Yeah, well, we were um, we were talking about the All Star Game and the uh, the voting is Vlad has the all the the number one standings of all of baseball which you know as he should because vlad has just been stupidly good yeah but Semyon leads at second base and Bo is second at shortstop which i think he means he gets in if they vote him in and teoscar's moved to fifth in the outfield <laughs> grichuk <laughs> is seventh um and buxton who is third is hurt so, again, sadly, I mean, the yeah. Jays could have a few All-Stars this year. And that doesn't even get to, like, Robbie Ray kind of should be on the All-Star team. So it's going to be interesting. I, I really like seeing the Blue Jays represented at the All-Star team. I'm not in their jerseys, but still, it's always something I get a joy out of seeing them. You know, it, it, it's nice. It makes you see like, your team is doing good things. So it's cool seeing them actually getting do, represented in the voting. Watching Roy Halladay throw a pitch and hit a ground ball to Aaron Hill at second um, in the All-Star game was was a big highlight for me. Doesn't like I mean, it's a ground ball to second. Who cares? I did. <laughs> it was cool. Um, my final thought is the knuckleball is back, baby. <laughs> uh, Mickey Janice. The Baltimore Orioles have brought one th good thing to the the major leagues, other than wins for the Blue Jays. One good thing to the major <laughs> leagues this year. Thirty three year old Mickey Janice um, is the next 
ageless knuckleballer. Does he have a great knuckleball? Uh, for all intents and purposes, I don't believe the answer is yes. But, but there should always be a knuckleballer in Major League Baseball, and we can say that 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 part of things is right with the world again. So thank you for calling him up and uh, and letting him make that appearance and uh, throw the butterfly pitch. I like it. Okay, so we are here at the end of another podcast, um, which is to say that I uh, was Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and uh, you were Josh Housem at Joshua Housem, and uh, our guest was Jeff Paternostro at Jeff Paternostro. And this was episode number 210 of Artificial Turf Wars, and we'll talk at you next week. Mm-hmm.